Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your host, bound to this closet, Rudy St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, where you can tell me I don't know basketball, at NBA underscore Rudy, and also Instagram, at Hustle Points Pod, where you can find a still empty page and eventually podcast highlights. But first things first, let's, let's get something straight here. On yesterday's show, I made a mistake. You know, now, I, I know, I know, you might have thought that I am a perfect being who is incapable of making mistakes, as I am on a podcast. But, unfortunately, I am a mere human, and I messed up. When I was talking about a few NBA big men yesterday, I said that a certain somebody is definitely having a better season than somebody else. But it really got me thinking about just who the best center in the league is. Not even just centers, big men, you know? People over six and a half feet tall, I'd say. NBA big men. Who's the best? After listening to yesterday's pod, you might think that I don't know anything about basketball because I said that the best center in the league is not Boban Marjanovic. And that is wrong. Boban Marjanovic is the best center in the NBA. No, he's the best big man. No, he's the best player over six foot two inches in the entire league. Hands down. Are you serious, guys? No questions asked. Yes. Boban Marjanovic, if that is his real name, he's probably a alien from another planet where they breed human-like creatures who are 10 to 20% larger than the average human. 10 to 20%. What am I saying? Boban, it looks like me stacked on top of my own shoulders with 20% more mass at a bare minimum, plus mad basketball skills. I love it. Let's do it. Something that I, a five and a half foot tall person, does not have. No, I can shoot free throws, but that's about it. I like to think I'm good on defense, but who am I, who am I gonna guard? Who am I gonna guard? I'm five foot six. Boban Marjanovic, seven foot three. And I think he's being humble. I think Boban is really seven four, seven five even. I love it. Let's do it. Doesn't matter. Either way, he's the biggest, heaviest player in the league with incredible numbers. He's putting up nine five and give him one assist. His assist to turnover ratio is only one to two right now. And his effective field goal percentage is 70%. His career PER. Right now, it's 27.8. If that sounds familiar, it's because it is the same as LeBron James. Right up there with Michael Jordan. Before recording this podcast, before he got his first start of the season, which he deserved, his PER was at 28 flat. The only player in NBA history with minimum 100 games played to have a career PER at 28 or above. In other words, statistics say... That Boban is not only the best player in the NBA right now, but he's the best player of all time. Yes! I apologized to Michael Jordan once yesterday. I'll apologize again today. I'm sorry, Michael Jordan, but you have been surpassed. Not by Michael Jordan 
aka Kobe Bryant, which every Laker stan wants you to believe. Michael, I'm talking to you directly, because after episode one blew up like it did, I'm sure I have Michael Jordan's attention now. MJ has been surpassed not by Kobe, not by LeBron, not by another historical figure through post-career statistical analysis. No, Michael Jordan has been surpassed by Bo Bon Marjanovic. And it's great. Yes. No, but honestly, jokes aside, yesterday I, I did say that Nikola Jokic has definitely had a better season so far than Joel Embiid. And that's just simply not true. I looked at the numbers. I hadn't in a while. I just got back from vacation. I'm not even going to lie. I had I'd missed a few games. You know, I wasn't up to date. And at the time that that podcast was recorded, I sincerely did believe that. But late last night after upload and re-examining, I came to the conclusion that I was wrong. Maybe, maybe the only defense I had is that I hadn't watched basketball since roughly the weekend of Halloween. I had just been on vacation, you know, taking a break. What can I say? I'm trying to make basketball my job. So I took a few days to go basketball free just to see what it was like. And you know, honestly, it was kind of miserable. I wish I had more basketball on my vacation. Okay? But up to the point of recording, Jokic had been marginally the better player. It was looking like the ties were turning, like they do though, to where Joel Embiid can reclaim his spot as the second best big man in the NBA, behind Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis is by far the best big man in the league. You can make a case for Joel Embiid, but the sample size is not even close to the size of Anthony Davis. And plus, this season alone, Anthony Davis looks like a man amongst boys out there. But back to Jokic and Embiid. Embiid, routine scorer. I'm looking at the numbers. He had been putting up 30 every night up to yesterday's recording. And even afterwards, he had a few more big games. He had a 41-point explosion and a 39 points on 18 shots performance last night, which was incredible. He had... 17 rebounds, shot 78% from the line, he made a 3, and he made most of his shots, you know, 10 of 18. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Joel Embiid is coming for that title. If Jokic was any good on defense as an individual, then he would be by far and away the best center in the league because of his incredibly magical offensive game. The Nuggets have structured their entire team around Jokic. Without Jokic, this... This team falls apart on one side of the ball. But maybe, theoretically, if this team is Jokic-less for any amount of this season, they'll be able to compensate for the lack of offensive facilitation with a little bit more defensive prowess because Jokic is a Jokic on defense and Embiid is for real. Not Anthony Davis for real, but Joel Embiid plays good, solid defense. And he deserves credit. He's better than Jokic and... I just wanted to make that correction from yesterday very clear before we got any further into the podcast. Um, hashtag free Boban. Let's move on. Yesterday, I promised a little bit of Wizards and Grizzlies talk. And similar to yesterday, I didn't have my whole story straight before publication. I'm sorry. It was my first episode. I waited a little bit too long. This one is being recorded and uploaded in the same day, and it will be like that every dime from now on. Every single time. I promise to be the most up-to-date podcast in the game. I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm a serial NBA podcast listener, and 
it doesn't infuriate me per se, but it does upset me a little bit when I can tell that a podcast was recorded 36 hours before a very significant story had occurred and I wasn't getting the takes that were so fresh that I really wanted because I am a junkie who needs my fix. That's the input I take from the community. Now I'm trying to put a little bit of output out there, you know, contribute a little bit back. Give a give a little bit to the community out there. And uh, that's in a time where it really needs it, I think. Especially from the independent side of things. You have your traditional narratives. You have what the NBA wants you to hear. And then you have your independent voices. And on tomorrow's podcast, I will have an entire segment about this new YouTube-related NBA drama that has come up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just stay tuned and listen to tomorrow's episode where I will tell you everything you need to know about that little situation. It directly involves the NBA and independent content creators on YouTube. Stay tuned, and we will get into that tomorrow. But right now, I want to keep it within the association. The Grizzlies, at the time of yesterday's recording, were 2-2. Two and two. They have since rattled off three straight wins, looking a little bit more impressive than most people anticipated this season. I, during the preseason, and as a admitted Grizzlies fan, thought that they would have the potential to come back and make this season one that counts a little bit better than the halfway tanking season that happened last year. Now, I'm not saying that they have all the pieces in play to compete for a championship this season. You know, I'm not delusional, but... I thought that there was a good chance that they would at least make an honest attempt to make the playoffs. You know, maybe even rattle off a winning record if Gasol and Conley stayed healthy throughout the season. And it's looking good so far in that regard. Jaron Jackson Jr. looks way ahead of schedule. I honestly don't understand why he hasn't started every game this season. He has been out of his mind, by far the best power forward on the team. If you even believe that the power forward position even still exists, I would say that there's three positions in basketball, just like Brad Stevens would say. You know, you got your ball handlers, your wings, and your bigs, but there's five guys on the court, so we got to have five positions. So if you believe in power forwards, Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the best young ones out there in the game right now. Hands down, no question. I'm honestly happy that we got Jaron Jackson at four because I think that was one of the highest value draft picks that we could have gotten. Now, I'm not saying that Jaron Jackson Jr. is definitely going to have a better career than Trey Young. You know, I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on Trey Young his whole career, but that doesn't necessarily mean a better career. He has a very flashy game. He goes off for huge box score numbers all the time. Atlanta's letting him do whatever he pleases, and he's showing his talent. A lot of people thought Trey Young would be a bust coming into this year, but I think he's proven the doubters wrong. But getting back to the Grizzlies, I, being a real Grizzlies fan, did what any Grizzlies fan did, and I went to the trade machine to see if we'd get rid of Chandler Parsons because I think this winning streak, this little three-game winning streak we had, third best in the league, mind you, third best winning streak at three games, the Grizzlies, I believe it's because Chandler Parsons went down. I never root for injury. It's not okay. Nobody should. But when Chandler Parsons doesn't play, the Memphis Grizzlies are a better team. Just outright. I have no hesitation saying that. Chandler Parsons is not good. He might be good in Europe or China, but he is not a good NBA player. He is barely even an NBA player. I don't think he deserves any minutes. I don't think he's really demonstrated any 
any amount of talent that justifies a solid rotation spot like he has been given in Memphis just because he has that monster contract. And I do believe he works hard. Every time I go and see the Grizzlies, he is one of the first people out there warming up. And, you know, I'm not there in practice. I'm not there seeing the actual reps he's putting in. He works hard. I can tell. Most of these people do. Most dudes in the NBA are competitive maniacs and will do anything to win. But Chandler Parsons simply doesn't have the talent to be a useful NBA player anymore. And so, like I said, I went to the trade machine. I I looked at some options. And because I said that we would talk about the Wizards today and how they have absolutely fallen apart and need to blow it up, I went to entertain a trade between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Washington Wizards. Now, I would not make this trade if I was on either side. But I do think it's interesting that this trade works. The trade is Otto Porter and John Wall for Michael Conley and Chandler Parsons. Now, like I said, I would not do this trade on either side, but it works. It puts the Memphis Grizzly over the tax line just a little bit, a couple million dollars, and we get locked into John Wall's awful, terrible, no good $200 million contract that doesn't even start until next season when next season is really the last season that we're on this no-good, very terrible, awful Chandler Parsons deal. But in return, we get Otto Porter for an additional season at about the same rate as Chandler Parsons, and he is a much more talented player. And I think John Wall and Mike Conley are definitely in the same tier of point guards in the league because there is so much talent. Now again, I will say it for probably the 900th time this podcast, I would not make this trade, but it's an interesting trade. Would you trade Mike Conley for John Wall? Would you take maybe a little bit more athletic ability for a little bit less basketball IQ? A little bit more locker room disruption? Would you Would you accept that just for a little bit more athleticism? I wouldn't. Some people think Mike Conley's contract is bad. Compared to John Wall's, it's great. Otto Porter is a lot more talented than Chandler Parsons, but... Not worth the cost. And now if they would trade Otto Porter for Chandler Parsons and, you know, maybe we give away a first-round pick in the distant future, I wouldn't be so mad at that. But I think the Grizzlies know that this is basically the second-to-last season of this whole grit-and-grind era remainder. Because it's not really the grit-and-grind era anymore. That ended in the off-season before last season. So, two off-seasons ago. When Fisdale had the playoff success with the grit and grind team, even though his play style is super not grit and grind, he wanted to bring Zebo off the bench. He tried it for a little bit, and it made some chemistry problems happen in the locker room. And then after a slow start last season, where they don't re-sign Tony Allen, they don't re-sign Zebo, and the grit and grind era appears to be definitively over, they fire Fisdale just after he loses his last game as a Memphis Grizzly and takes his career record to one game below even. And that was not fair to David Fisdale. I wish we still had David Fisdale. And prior to last night, I would have said to go ahead and fire JBB, John Blair Bickerstaff, out of the head coaching position from the Memphis Grizzlies because I don't think he's given us any reason to believe that he is a decent coach. But... He works well with Chandler Parsons. <laughs> I, I can't take anything involving Chandler Parsons seriously. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I, I take it seriously, but 
the idea of maximizing Chandler Parsons as part of the team's winning strategy is just hilarious to me, and I think we need to cut it out. And the proof is in the pudding. He hasn't played in the last five games, and we won three in a row. So what can I say? We're better when he's off the court. I need to get off that topic, though, because just like how I could ramble forever about how bad Tibbs is for the organization of Minnesota, I could ramble forever about how bad Chandler Parsons has been for the organization that is the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, if I was the Wizards, if I was the Wizards, I'd be a lot less hesitant on this trade for Michael Conley and Chandler Parsons at the cost of John Wall and Otto Porter. I'd be a lot less hesitant compared to how I would feel if I were the Grizzlies, because if I'm the Wizards, I want to get rid of John Wall and I want to get a good value out of it. But because of how the East is and you don't really want to do a third rebuild under the same front office, I would try to reload, build around Bradley Beal, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. I mean, he plays both sides of the ball. He gets rebounds. He can play make. He can shoot. He can score off the dribble. He's strong. He's got a good size for a guard. Not a good size for a wing, but a really good size for a guard. And I think he could be if not the primary ball handler, then the secondary ball handler on a championship-caliber team. You know, if he was on the Lakers, it would be a whole other story. People would be talking about Bradley Beal like he's in the Clay Thompson tier, like he's in the Jimmy Butler tier. But I think his reputation says that Bradley Beal is one tier below those guys, and which is unfortunate. He deserves more recognition than that, but he's just been on this sorry Wizards team for his whole career, and he's only 25 years old. I bet you didn't know that Bradley Beal is still only 25. He came into the league super young. He's an old 25-year-old. And I think all these comments that have been made in the past are still about John Wall. There's obviously no way of proving it. And Bradley Beal has even recently came out and said the comments he made last season were not about John Wall, saying that everybody eats when John Wall is out. That's presumably the context that he meant. But... When John Wall is out, that team is better. He's, he's kind of like the superstar version of Chandler Parsons. John Wall, I've heard him called the worst elite point guard. I'm forgetting which podcast. Maybe I'll remember by tomorrow's pod and correct myself then. But John Wall is just the superstar Chandler Parsons. What can I say? John Wall is just a superstar Chandler Parsons. And if Bradley Beal played next to a LeBron instead of a John Wall, Bradley Beal's reputation would be a lot better. But he doesn't. So it's unfortunate for Bradley Beal, and it's unfortunate for the fans too because I think Bradley Beal has a very enjoyable game to watch on the floor. John Wall may be really good at dunking with his left hand, but who cares? It's just one type of dunk. I don't want to discount dunks. The dunk is the greatest play in sports. You know, I'll take that over a fumble ruski every time. I'll take it over a kick six. I'll take it over, you know, a hat trick in soccer or whatever. I think the dunk is the best play in sports, and I don't want to discount that, but Bradley Beal's fluid game, he's like water. He's wet from everywhere. He's just, he's clean. I don't have enough liquidy adjectives to describe how good Bradley Beal is. And if he just wasn't on this Wizards team, I mean, this Wizards team is so sorry that they got booed off the court the other night. As far as expectations versus reality this season, they definitely have the starkest contrast of any team. They're underperforming strongly. I mean, people, I don't think anyone was giving them a top two seed in the East, but I think 
the majority of analysts out there were saying that the Wizards were basically guaranteed to at least get home court advantage in the playoffs. Now? Now people are hesitant to say that they're a playoff lock. They've only won one game this season, and honestly, I don't think they deserve to get in the playoffs if they keep playing like they have been. It's time to blow it up. It's time to blow it up. Send Bradley Beal to L.A. Or just fire Coach Brooks, but according to David Aldridge, who has historically been a fairly reliable source, they're not even considering firing Scott Brooks, which I understand you don't want total dysfunction, but Scott Brooks wasn't good in Oklahoma, and he hasn't been good for you. These locker room issues existed before Scott Brooks. They have existed during Scott Brooks. And if they don't act soon and trade John Wall, not Bradley Beal, not Otto Porter, John Wall, then they're going to continue after Scott Brooks. I understand John Wall's contract is almost impossible to trade, but surely you can find someone who is willing to take a flyer on that tier of a player for a reasonable cost, even if it's below Jimmy Butler's trade market value, which I think it is. I think it's substantially lower than Jimmy Butler's trade value. Good luck getting a first-round pick for John Wall. I mean it. His his contract is that bad, and his history is that bad. But if they want to win, then they need to trade John Wall. Moving on, we're going to check in on the state of the NBA meme economy. That's right, you didn't know that this show was also going to help you line your pockets and make you richer in memes. In this segment, I give you one stock to sell, one stock to hold, and one stock to buy. That's right, you get all the value that you could get out of an NBA meme segment through a podcast. Now, the NBA meme, I am recommending that you sell. Sell this as fast as you can sell it. You need to get rid of it. Get it out of here. Sell, sell, sell. Is the hashtag Fergie Remix Challenge. It has been nearly a week or over a week. I'm honestly not sure because it doesn't matter that much. Since the Golden State Warriors decided to dance along to a remix of the kind of bad Fergie National Anthem from last year's All-Star Game, and they did their little dance and hashtagged it, the Remix Challenge, assuming that other people would find this remix and then film similar videos. Kind of a Harlem Shake-esque type of meme, but it is not getting any traction in the market at all. I haven't seen a single recreation. In fact, I don't even think that the Instagram post, which they originally posted featuring the original Fergie Remix Challenge, even had a link in the description to the song to use. So I don't think anybody went out of their way and did another Fergie Remix Challenge that got any sort of attention online, which is why you need to sell, 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 and get out while you still can. Now, the one which you need to hold. The NBA meme which you need to hold for as long as you can is the Alonzo morning reaction gif where he contemplates... eh, It's hard to describe, honestly. It doesn't fit very well for a podcast. But if you know, you know. You know which gif I'm talking about. Or gif if you're, you know, one of those people. You know which one I'm talking about where he's on the bench, kind of shaking his head, and then... He almost has a minor epiphany, nods his head side to side, and shrugs it off. He goes through many emotions at once in a very compact little period of time, makes for an excellent reaction, 
It's uh, ambiguous enough to be used in many scenarios. It's one that you should hold on to for as long as you can. It's going to remain useful. It's already a classic player. There's no reason you should sell this. Keep holding on. And now, the one you should buy. This deal is a great way to make a quick buck or two. The NBA meme that I predict will get you the most profits after you sell the Fergie Remix Challenge. You should take those assets and invest them into Austin Rivers side-eyeing Steph Curry. Now, why would you do this? There is enough Steph Curry memes in the economy. The market has already been flooded by people who say that Curry ruined basketball by taking too many threes. And that is why you can use this meme to make those people look dumb. Because they are. Stephen Curry has evolved a basketball and made it better. And so if you want to cast judgment on people who negatively judge Steph Curry, you can use this picture of Austin Rivers looking like he doesn't care when we all know he really does because it perfectly symbolizes how we, the rest of us feel. You have Steph looking down at the Wizards bench because of course it's the Wizards because everybody's laughing at the Wizards right now. You have Steph looking down at the Wizards bench and Austin Rivers trying not to pay attention to him, kind of looking through him a little bit out of the side of his eye. Steph is smiling, looking at him, and Austin Rivers is trying as hard as he can to look like it's not affecting him. But it is. It's affecting him so much he can't stand it. He looks just like the old heads who hate Stephen Curry's game feel. He matches that emotion perfectly, which is why you need to go all in on this meme right now and make sure that you don't miss out on this incredible May-May investment opportunity. So that is your NBA meme economy update. That is a segment which I believe I will be doing at least once a week, possibly more, possibly less. We're still working out the kinks. You know, this is a brand new show. We don't quite have the formula down to an exact science yet, but we're trying our best. We're trying our best. When I say we, I mean me, because it's just me here in this closet all alone, making a little podcast for the six or seven of y'all that have listened to it. By the way, there were seven people who listened to my podcast, my first episode. I expected an absolute maximum of two. So the, to, to the extra five people who decided to listen into yesterday's podcast on the day it released, thank you. You are the true day ones. And if you're with us now on day two and you missed day one, then I'm happy to welcome you along on the ride with me. This is, this is a journey. I'm committed. I'm in it for the long haul. And so if you're with me from day one or day two or day 99 or day 999,000, which I will probably be dead, but if you're still with me, I love you and I appreciate you. And so now it's time for our favorite closing segment, seven seconds or less if you missed yesterday's episode. This is the segment which I try to get off seven takes. I read and react to seven stories in 45 seconds, which gives me less than seven seconds each story to read and react to it. This is a segment which goes by fast enough to make Mike D'Antoni proud. Not Mike D, the rapper, but Mike D'Antoni, the coach who invented seven seconds or less. Okay, 45 seconds or less. Here we go. Steve Kerr admits the truth that Cousins is a one-year rental. No one should be surprised. Steve Kerr has a reputation of being brutally honest all the time. The Pels won their first four and then lost their next five, but you shouldn't worry if you're a Pelicans fan because Anthony Davis is coming back from that nagging injury. Tyson Chandler is about to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers as he is being bought out and let this day be known as the day that the Lakers secured a playoff spot. Not the day that they signed LeBron, but the day that they are about to sign Tyson Chandler. The Grizzlies wave Andrew Harrison, RIP Andrew Harrison. I don't 
don't know where your brother is. The Cavs are getting sued for age discrimination by former coach Jim Boylan. Uh, the Cavs, what can I say? Welcome to Cleveland Sports. De'Aaron Fox got a triple-double with 31 points on 13 shots. Good for him. He's like John Wall if he was a good leader. Last one, I'm doubling down on the 76ers winning 46 games max. That's right. Doubling down. I think I went over the clock a little bit that time. So, yesterday I implied that seven seconds or less would be somehow tied to fans winning something if I didn't beat the challenge of getting out all the headlines in time. And, not even gonna lie, yesterday's took multiple takes, and this time I only did two, which is still multiple. Um, I, what can I say? I stuttered a little bit the first time and completely blew it. But from now on, it's one take. It's a one take segment. I promise. We're making this podcast better each and every episode. So if you're not subscribed, be sure to subscribe. If it's not already on every major platform, is going to be at the very least on the Anchor app. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy, where again you can tell me how little I know about basketball and you know what? I'll probably reply to you. We can have a nice little conversation. You can also follow me on Instagram at HustlePointsPod, where there's not going to be anything right now, but by tomorrow, there will be at least one podcast highlight on there, so be sure to follow that if you want to get a little taste of what the full-length podcast is going to be like before you give it a listen. And finally, be sure to, again, subscribe to this podcast. I'm having fun doing this. And remember, tomorrow's episode, we're going to get in on the juicy details of a very serious, very dramatic NBA YouTube drama thing happening. I don't want to say too much because it will spoil it, but if you know what I'm talking about, you already know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know, oh man, prepare to be informed. Thank you, and goodbye.